Welcome to Japanimation Station, an anime podcast brought to you by the folks at the Weekly Stuff Podcast. I'm Sean Chapman. And I'm Jonathan Lack. And we are here once again to dive into the wild and wacky world of anime. This week on the show, we have a special, special Thanksgiving episode for y'all. It's so special, I don't even know what it is. You do deep down, you just don't know yet. Sean, this week's Thanksgiving week uh, is also your birthday. You were born on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is your birthday this year, the 23rd. Yes, it is indeed. Um, so 31 years ago this week, you were born. But I want to see if you can guess, what's something that happened 10 years ago this week that we might talk about on Japanimation Station? 10 years ago this week. So it'll be 2013, November 2013. I do not know. That's okay. The first Persona 3 movie came out. Uh, I would have never guessed that. that. It would have taken me a while to, to get there. So, for those who do not listen to the Weekly Stuff podcast, we are big fans of the Persona video games, which are also a major anime franchise at this point. Ten years ago now, which makes me feel extraordinarily old, the uh, first Persona 3 movie came out. And this was a series of four movies that you and I went gaga for. Is that safe to say, Sean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those movies are incredible. And we recorded episodes for the Weekly Stuff podcast. This was way before Japanimation Station. This was years before Weekly Suit Gundam. This was back when we were little podcasting babies. And we did episodes about the Persona 3 movies as they came out. I bought the crazy deluxe Blu-ray sets that Aniplex put out via Right Stuff here. Right Stuff, rest in peace. Um, here in the United States, they were $80 a pop, which means that was the most expensive series of podcasts we've ever done because it cost $320 in total. And 10 years later, I want to get our money's worth out of them. And I thought it would be fun to finally bring those episodes over to Japanimation Station in honor of the 10th anniversary of the movies. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. I, I was thinking about those movies the other day because I was like, I should watch those again because yes. they are, for people who have not seen them, they are extremely good. They are extremely good. And of course, this is extra relevant now because in February of 2024, we're going to have Persona 3 Reload, the big remake of that game coming out for consoles. And that'll be kind of a, a resurgence of Persona 3, which is still my favorite game. It was your favorite game for a long time. Then there was Nier Automata. Now I'm pretty sure you would say Genshin Impact in your heart of hearts. But uh, It's probably true. 
Yeah. I mean, Genshin Impact's not done yet, so I couldn't, I couldn't, it wouldn't be right to put it on that list, but probably, yeah. Okay. But anyway, uh, we love Persona 3 is the point, and we love these movies, and these are old podcasts, but I thought it'd be fun to dust them off. So for the first four days of this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're going to be putting these out. Um, These are from 2014, 2015, and 2016 is when these were originally recorded. One thing to note is that the first three, at least, were recorded on worse recording hardware than we use now. They were still a decent mic. I think they were the Blue Snowball, but they were just, like, in our basement or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the, the first two were recorded in our fucking condo in Boulder, Colorado we lived in when we were in college. Um, And so the sound quality was not great. So what I did is I... And sadly... This sucks. These are from the period where I'm missing all the original audio files, and I only have the the MP3s that went out to the world. I don't have the original Audacity Masters, which if I had, I could clean up a little more. I don't have those anymore. Um, they, they literally, like, they start on, like, episode 160, and the last one of these is 157. So, oh. <laughs> like, they missed the cutoff of, like, when my hard drive failed by just a little bit. So what I have done is I've used the original MP3s, and I've run them through some Adobe software that uses AI to clean up the audio and make it sound um, a little more professional. Basically, it's removing some of the really bad reverb that there would be in the room, make it sound like the mic was just a little better. It's by no means perfect. I left it pretty low. You can make this kind of software pretty aggressive, and I didn't do that because it makes us sound like robots. But it'll sound a little bit more like our modern recording technology, and so these have been remastered in that sense and obviously cut down. There were other things we talked about in those episodes. You're just going to hear the Persona talk. Um, One thing I will warn Sean, you sound so different in these episodes, like almost unrecognizably different. And I don't know if it's that your voice changed or if it's just on that mic, you sound different. Because in the fourth of these, when we get to the fourth Persona movie, you sound normal again. Um, And that's when we had our modern Blue Yeti, which is what we use. Um, So I don't know what that is, but... Yeah, I wonder if it's both the mic and then also that since we were both in the same room recording on the same microphone, I just wonder if like the where you were sitting relative to where I was yes. sitting was the cause things to sound different. But yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, and obviously speaking patterns over 10 years change. These are the oldest things we've ever re-released on Japanimation Station, but I thought it would be fun to put these out for Persona's 10th anniversary. So what you will hear today is our conversation from May 22nd, 2014, uh, about Persona 3, the movie number one, Spring of Birth, which was released in Japan on November 23rd, 2023. Uh, 2013, now it is 2023, yes. and these will be a nice little Thanksgiving treat for y'all while uh, the main Japanimation Station season we're airing right now is off for Thanksgiving, but we'll be back next week to start part two of our Kyoto vacation, um, where we will be talking about when Christmas came to Otaku Town and the melancholy of Suzumiya Haruhi, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, so enjoy this special anime turkey dinner of Persona 3, the movie number one. Thanks for listening to Japanimation Station. If you're enjoying the show, please remember to like and subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and tell your friends. You can support the show directly on Ko-fi at the link in the description, and remember to check out the Weekly Stuff Podcast, our long-running series on movies and video games on all platforms. And now, back to the show. So as you know, Sean and mine's favorite game of all time, no contest, is Persona 3. Yes. 
And we love Persona. Yes. We also love Persona 4. We've talked about Persona in pretty much every other podcast. Yeah. And in any case, Persona 3, also very popular in Japan, of course. Yeah. And uh, just as they animated Persona 4 a couple of years ago as a TV series, Persona 4, the animation. Yes. They have begun animating. The is very important. Yes. The animation, the golden. Yeah. Japan The and, ultimate in Mayanak Arena. Japan and the definite article, you know, it's a saga. Yeah. It's an ongoing saga. So anyway, they're animating Persona 3 as a series of films. The first one came out in November of last year on your birthday, Sean. Yes. November 23rd. And uh, it just came out on Blu-ray in Japan last week. And this week, um, we're getting a Blu-ray in North America that is pretty much just the Japanese package. But it's got English subtitles and some other goodies for English-speaking people there's two versions there's a 60 dollars standard edition but i would urge you to pay the extra 20 for the 80 dollars collector's edition because then you get not only the movie but you get a soundtrack special packaging an yeah. art book lobby cards uh, sticker stickers set, all this other stuff in fact just everything like he was he brought his because his came first and we'll talk about it in a, yeah, yeah okay yeah in any case we're going to talk about this whole set we're also going to review the movie on this week's show so this is kind of a special show. All we're talking about on this episode is Persona 3, the movie, number one, Spring of Birth. Um, we will be spoiling things from the rest of Persona 3 because yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any way not to. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking about Persona 3, uh, the game, and specifically this movie, this you know 100-minute movie. But if you haven't seen the movie, you probably could listen to this if you know the story of Persona. We can yeah. tell you about the movie and what it does. Obviously, we can't really spoil anything. It's yeah. You know the story if you've played Persona. And, and for anyone just listening to listening to this casually, like this movie is not for like just random people to pick up. Like this is definitely a like it's a good adaptation of the game. But like if you had not played the game, I think a lot of this movie would be kind of really confusing. Well, I wanted to talk about that later, definitely yeah. as as kind of a subtopic when we get into things. How would this potentially work for people who have not yeah. played the game? But that's why I just want to say this: if you're someone who is just randomly listening to this, like because I don't know, I yeah. don't know if it won't make any sense. So, Sean, let's break down what you get with this eighty dollars collector set. Okay, so it comes in this big. You know, plastic slip case, obviously, because that's what Japanese Blu-rays come in. Yes. And then within that, you've got the main box, which we'll talk about in a second. There's two inserts outside of that. There is the sticker set, where you got like 20 Persona 3 stickers, and it comes in this surprisingly like elaborate package. Yeah. Where you've got this like cardboard slip case for it, and you open that up, and then the stickers are like held in place by four tabs. Yeah, where usually like stickers are just kind of like thrown into packaging. Yeah, it's a whole... The stickers are an event here, you know? That's why I don't really care about stickers. They made me care about the stickers. Because, you know, they make them cool. Let's see, you also have an English translation booklet, which will become more important later on. Yeah. But yes, it's all... Basically, there's an art booklet with the main set, and this just translates all the Japanese from it. So rather than redoing the entire art book, they just gave you the translations, yeah. which is fair enough. That would yeah, be a yeah. lot of work. So anyway, and then the main thing that you get is just... it's a You got a cardboard slipcase which is really sturdy and nice it's got that great cover art of uh, Makoto Yuki the protagonist of this yeah. movie um, looks like he's just shot himself she does a lot yes. in the game and in the movie yes. he does it a lot more in the game and of course you get the amazing title for this film Persona 3 the movie number one Spring yeah. of Birth I like there's no like colon between Persona 3 and the movie it's just Persona 3 the movie then the subtitle is, and it's the subtitle is number one spring of birth. Yeah. There are no colons anywhere, anywhere in that title. Yep. And on the back, you've got the entire time never waits. It delivers all equally the same end thing. Yeah. So it's a memento mori is written yeah. all over this package. I Whenever like that. All right. So within the cardboard slipcase, which really is, I want to say, 
praise this. It's yeah. really sturdy. Nice. Yeah. I like that. All right. You've got, let's see, you've got the art book, which is more than an art book. I'm calling it an art book because it's got a lot of cool art from the movie. It's also got preview of movie two. Yep. So we see Strega there. I'm yep. excited for that. Zakaya. Yeah, we see some Igis. Then it's got um, a whole thing about the soundtrack CD that comes with this. It's got notes from so- Shoji Meguro, the composer and everything. It's got cast interviews, interviews with the directors. It's got storyboard stuff. Um, it's pretty cool. So it's I, And obviously the art in this movie is so incredible. It's nice to have this supplement to it. It's got all the character designs. Yeah. That's nice. In any case, so that's what that is. You use the English translation book in conjunction with that, I guess. I like that Makoto at no point in this movie uses his right eye. <laughs> yeah. His hair is always covering it. All right. Well, that's then, the thing that you don't know is that, unlike Ken Watanabe in Godzilla, Makoto Yugi totally has an eye patch. You just can't see it. Exactly. So at some point in his life, he lost an eye. Maybe that whole thing with eye, I guess you learn about. Yeah. Yeah. He lost an eye. All right. Then you've got this set of, I think they're lobby cards. I actually haven't opened this yet. So let's see. I don't know. It's got. You've got the. Jonathan train. has just been defeated by plastic packaging. I well, it kind of tore when clear. I was trying to open it here. So anyway, but I love you. You were commenting earlier on the image here. If you didn't know anything about Persona, yeah, it's just an image of Makoto putting a. That's the like official name for the main character. And he's just putting the evoker, the gun, to his head, and so it's just. It's always a weird part about Persona Three is that it's filled with this really sort of startling image, imagery of teenagers putting guns to their heads. And if you didn't know that they were doing that to summon like monsters to help them fight, yeah, you'd be very shocked. I think. All right, so yes, you've got this po. It's, it's basically it's all the posters for the movie. So you've got this. You've got a lot just... of. So it's basically they give you a bunch of really tiny posters. Yeah. So you've got that one. You've got um, this one, which is of Makoto in during the dark hour fighting. Then you've got my favorite of the movie's posters, which is inspired by the original. Yeah, um, the Burn My Dread opening. From yeah, there. I love that. I've had that as my like phone background even. So and then you've got this last one, which is another one fighting during the dark hour. Yeah. I like all these posters, and um, this is a common thing with Japanese Blu-rays. The um, Blu-ray for Dragon Ball Z Battle of Gods came with lobby card posters for every one of the Dragon Ball Z movies ever, which is cool because I like oh, those geez. are all really nice posters. That would be a lot. There were about 18. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's cool. You get all those little mini posters, which is nice. Um, the package would be significantly bigger if they gave you full-size posters, I suppose. Yes, yeah, yes it would be a very large package. Though. Yes, all right. I'm going to focus on putting this away later. Then, let's see. you got the main thing, which is the disc case. Got some really good art here again of more shooting yourself in the head. Yeah. Summoning Orpheus, who Makoto in the movie keeps much longer than I did in the game. Yeah, I think he used to have been like two fights. Yeah. All right, so then you open it up and you've got the Blu-ray disc on one side and you've got the soundtrack CD on the other side. Very nice, both of them. Um, soundtrack CD, it's about 30 minutes long. Uh, as If you don't know about the Persona soundtracks, how they do it, is they never repeat music across soundtracks. Yeah. So this is just the original music for the movie. The movie uses a lot of music from the game, but they assume you have the game soundtrack. So yeah. you can just kind of combine them at that point. But yeah, it's a good CD. It's, uh, I've listened to yeah. it. Yes. All right. And then what's on the Blu-ray disc? You've got... Oh, and I forgot to mention, when you open up the actual disc holder, you get a bunch of fucking ads stuck in yeah, there. Yeah, this is when he was opening it up, like everything just... Fell out. Fell. Yes. Including this ad for Persona 3, the live, like stage show where it's got real people dressed up as the characters in the game and it's kind of creepy yeah like if you've ever seen any sort of like really hardcore anime cosplay you know what that looks like and it doesn't (laughs) look good like it's just unsettling seeing people try to like like their hair is super like it just looks like their hair is made of hair gel at that point because it's like so stiff to try to get it into the shape 
the very specific shape that animated character's hair has to be in. So this is uh, specifically oh, an ad for a DVD of the Persona 3 stage show, The Weird Masquerade, and it's two discs, apparently. <laughs> so you got a lot oh, of... the stage show. Yes. If, I don't know. I'm curious about this, but I think it would give me nightmares. It's too so. scary. It's, yeah, yeah. It's too, that's too much. Yes. All right. But the cool thing about anime characters is that they don't look like real people. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, making them look like real people is just... It's scary. It's a scary thing that yes. people do. All right. The Blu-ray disc itself, it's got the director's cut, which is just default twos defaults to in place that's about 98 minutes long the original theatrical cut is also on the disc it's 91 minutes it's got stereo and 5.1 lossless mixes as all japanese blu-rays pretty much do that's nice um and then it's got a bunch of trailers and tv spots and stuff so pretty good package you were commenting earlier on you know this is a really nice release for a movie that just came out yeah yeah that that, like the standard in america is usually unless it's like something really crazy and you're getting like the super collector's edition like you'd never see something that is this sort of robust with all this kind of stuff in it but this is just kind of a standard thing for anime like this is the thing you'd see for like the fifth like super release of like jurassic park or something and yeah you know but totally standard for anime i mean you've seen my dragon ball z battle of god set it's yeah it's insane but yeah so you know it's 80 dollars. but you get i don't know if you get your money's worth but you get a lot of stuff for it yeah yeah so it's not just like you're paying 80 bucks for like a standard dvd that yeah. you would think of for an american dvd you're paying a premium but it yeah. is a premium product they're yeah. just the difference is there is no non-premium product when you're buying like anime dvds basically yeah well there is the 60 dollar version of this which i think is just the blu-ray disc in a case sure um but even that's more fancy than what ours are. Yeah, I'm sure it yeah. is. Yep. Yeah, if you usually like a non, just a normal standard movie in Japan on Blu-ray, that'll you know cost you about thirty, forty bucks. Yeah. Um, and even then, that's what our list price for Blu-rays is here. So that's not you know hugely extravagant. But anyway, let's talk about the movie itself, Sean. My right. comment, and I thought this like from it impressed me right from the go. I enjoyed this significantly more than I thought I would. Yeah. Like, I was actually, as as excited as I am about Persona, and I always talk about how much I love Persona, I was kind of worried about this movie. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure I would like it. There's a couple things working against it for me, which is that I've never seen Persona 4, the animation. Yeah. So I don't know how these games translate to, you know, non-game mediums. Yeah. But that kind of just worries me because they're so, so different as storytelling mediums. Yeah. I just don't know how you do it. And then Persona 3... There's a couple things working against it as a movie series in that, you know, we've had a lot of these multi-part movie series lately in America, and it's always frustrating because they don't really feel like standalone movies, Mm -hmm. you know? For example, Amazing Spider-Man 2 just feels like it is there to make Sinister Six a possibility. Sure. I was even meaning something like, you know, the Harry Potter Deathly Hallows 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a a better example of where it's just literally the first movie just stops. (laughs) And then you're like... Or Hobbit, Desolation of Smaug, just yeah. gets to a point and cuts off, yeah. that kind of thing. And the problem is, I, where I assumed this movie would go up to, which is Fuka, which is where it does go up to, yeah. is um, that's the point right after that is when the story of Persona 3 in the game gets good. Yeah. It, like, those first 12 hours of Persona 3 are super fun, but narratively it's fairly sparse up to yeah, that point. Yeah, it's just all kind of, like, slowly setting stuff up and just more yeah. there to get you, like, ready and, like... Ease you into the mechanics of the social links, yeah. and Tartarus, and all that stuff. And more than anything else, I was just worried about how how would the characters translate into a into a ninety minute movie when you otherwise have you know eighty hours to spend with them. Mm-hmm. How would the battles? How would they do that in the movie? How would they handle Tartarus? Any of this? And pretty much every single worry I possibly had about this, they didn't just overcome. I thought they did a spectacular job. Yeah, yeah, I definitely really agree. And for me, I have seen Persona Four the animation, so like I understand. 
So it's like for the fight scenes, like I wasn't worried about that because that's they're basically other than they do have I actually kind of like this more that they do have the Persona Three people using their weapons and fighting themselves, whereas in Persona Four the animation that doesn't happen. So that makes more sense because in Persona Four they are not like this like squad of people; they're just kind of these people. So yeah, so that I wasn't sort of concerned about how they were going to handle the action scenes because I've seen how they've done that before. The thing I was most curious about, and it's the thing that this movie does the best, and it's what like allows it to be its own movie, is I was worried about how they're going to handle the main character because they do such that's the thing that in Persona 4 the animation they do such a great job with is they you know, they infuse the Narukami character with a lot of life and they make him very interesting and but it still feels like it comes naturally from the game. That is like this person embellishing what is from the game, even though that's very sparse, and making a character out of it. And it's a lot of fun. But Narukami, and now I'm going to have to get used to calling him Makoto, like, they are very, very different characters because, like, they're both, in the games, they're both, like, player ciphers. But I feel like Makoto is even more of a player cipher. Like, he has even less sort of, like, personality than, than Narukami does. But they actually, they use that and come up with a really, really good character arc for him. And that's what pins the movie that's what like makes the movie work is that they come up with a unique character arc that still feels natural from the game that is if like i were to make a character for makoto this is exactly what i would have done like this is exactly like perfect and they use that to inform like the entire pace of this movie and i think that was brilliant i i agree so much i mean it's a good starting point to talk about the movie is that you know, I think you didn't. It, it's not just that it feels like it stems organically from the game. It's that his characterization feels like it comes from a very deep understanding of the yeah. core themes of the game. Yeah, because it's also something that you can see how they're going to develop him in the future movies, knowing how the plot of the game goes. Yeah. So, I mean, again, last spoiler warning: Persona Three ends with the main character dying. Yeah, and it ends with him dying, sacrificing himself for his friends. Yeah. In like and, the saddest fucking way you possibly can, because he doesn't just die. It's like he slowly wastes away. Yes, it's yeah. it's a bummer. Um, I have talked about this. I openly weeped for about ten minutes at the end of Persona Three. It's a sad fucking game. Yes, very sad. So, how do you build to that? And I think what's so smart about this is that, and they put. I think they pushed this to a fairly extreme place, which I like. Yeah, they, they didn't just. They went all in on it, which is that Makoto in this movie is. He is, I mean, he is, like, mentally disturbed. Yeah, he like, has, he is completely broken. Yeah. He just, like, he has effectively no personality. He has no will of his own. He's just alive, and that's kind of it. Yeah, and you really start to see where this is coming. For the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie, it's mostly just he's not reacting to things, and you, you're wondering where they're going to go with it. Yeah, and they kind of, it's good that they kind of, they really slowly build it up for you to sort of realize what they're doing with the character, because they, the opening of the game, of the movie is almost exactly like the game, other than, like, the dude who kills himself at the, with the train, that doesn't happen. Yeah. But it's like the slowly him walking through the city and stuff, and him not reacting, I was really curious how they were going to do that, because that's kind of a very strange moment in the game. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, where there's no explanation for why he's so unfazed by everything other than that he's just kind of the main player character. You know, this is like, whatever, this is just kind of how it is. And it feels very video gamey. And at first I thought it was a really strange choice that they didn't change that. That I thought, like, he was going to be, when, like, he sees the Dark Hour, that he was going to be really surprised and everything. And it's like, no, they keep they keep that opening exactly the same and then they slowly explain through his character for the rest of the movie 
why he he is like that, and they use those moments to sort of inform his whole character. Well, here's the specific moment I was thinking of: is when the shadow attacks um, the dorm yeah. at night, the first time on the first full moon. It's the big sort of first big scene of the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, Yukari is running Makoto upstairs. If you've played the game, you really know this moment, and then they subvert it. Where yeah, this is like it's the first moment that they kind of have a unique scene. Right yeah. Here. And so they, they subvert it in that as they're running up, Makoto stops to look at the moon, and Yukari is wondering, well, why aren't you coming? Why aren't you coming up with me? And he just says, I don't care. I don't, I don't care about dying. Why do you care about living? He, and that's when you realize he, nothing matters to him at yeah, all. It's just, yeah, it's, and, it's, and it's actually it's a line, it's something that like, we're both taking Japanese, so we like, know a little bit about Japanese, but the line he's specifically says, she's like, you know, are, do you want to die? And she says, the old MOE, which is like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Either way is... It is something that's like I wish the the subtitles had done a little bit better job because that line repeats and is modified through a bunch of different characters throughout the movie of just like, yeah, whichever is fine. Like it's that's fine. one thing to know really quickly is that they're having a basic knowledge of Japanese will help you with this because the subtitles are good enough, but, but they, they're very they make some very odd choices. Yeah, that it's like it is they're fine subtitles, but it's like there are a couple of where there there are the some of the writing is really really sort of interconnected in a way that they don't capture with the subtitles. It's like, I wish they... Obviously, that's like a really hard thing to do, but I wish they could have found a way to do that. There's just a lot of nuances to the language here that if you pick up on them just without the subtitles, they help you out. Yeah. So, in any case. But yeah, that moment, you just... And where they're pulling this from is that it seems the implication over the movie... They don't hit you over the head with this, but it's the implication is that you know the main character of Persona 3 lost his parents. He's an orphan. Yeah, and they sort of, like, they have some flashbacks that allude to that in this movie because that's yeah. information that... Actually, no, they, they, do, they, they kind of tell you that early on, don't they? Like, you know it immediately, but the circumstances... Yeah, but they don't, they don't like... They kind of just say it, right? Yeah. They don't, like, there's nothing sort of dramatic about it where they have, like, these very sort of traumatic flashbacks in the film. Yeah. So you know he's lost his parents, and I think the other implication is he's probably been kicked around so much since yeah, then. Yeah, he's just been moving around, and he has no sort of anchor or anything. Yeah, and he so has you no can friends. Yeah, and you, so you can understand how he would get to this point. But is he's at a point where he is disturbed is not a not too heavy a word. Yeah, to it's, use. It's, it's it's creepy. Yeah. it's just like he really is so, and it's something that it's also like they don't show it a lot. But there's the in the game, you know, you have the apathy syndrome yeah. thing. It's like it feels it's kind of just. I'm, it's sort of dramatically ironic that he's like saving people by fighting the shadows from apathy syndrome, but like he's actually like purely apathetic. Like he is like the epitome of apathy beyond even like the people just like doing nothing to us who suffer from apathy syndrome. Exactly. So over the course of the movie, you know, we get into exploring Tartarus, fighting shadows, all of that, and he only does anything because people tell him to, and he has nothing else. Yeah, better and he to just do. doesn't really give a fuck. It's like he can fight, so people are telling him to fight. So he's like, "Why not?" Basically. Yeah. It's really interesting on that level. And, and the overall arc of the movie... And I'm actually glad they didn't play their hand too heavy on this and have all his development happen right here. Yeah, yeah. That it's like they develop him, but it's only a little bit. Like, the, yeah. still, there's still a lot of room for him to grow to be who he needs to be at the end of the right. story. So the whole arc is that this goes up to... When I say it goes up to Fuka, that means the full moon event where you save Fuka and yeah. she joins your team. And what that is is basically his arc over the movie is getting to that point and his friends are in danger, and him making the choice to protect these people and be there for them. Yeah. And that doesn't mean he's suddenly embraced them all as his, you know, best friends in the world, but it's he's recognized they are important to him, and that yeah. is the first step out of apathy. Yeah, like, it's literally, like, all it is that he's just, like, he just doesn't want them to die. Like, that's yeah. that's really is... So I, I do, I really like that it isn't, like, at the end, he doesn't have, like, some sort of, like, emotional revelation or anything. It's just, like... 
I don't want these people to die. And that's it. It's not this like, oh, I love you, Kari, and Junpei's like my best bud, and oh, like I need to save them. It's like, I just don't want them to die. Yeah, and I think those baby steps are really nice. And, yeah. and I think, you know, the title of this movie, number one, Spring of Birth, yeah. Spring of Birth makes sense. It is not his awakening. It's just, it's birth. It's just yeah, it's the, the first moment. The beginning. Yeah, and that's really interesting. And I think I can see where they're going with this over the course of the movies, which is that one of the specific changes they make in this movie that's interesting from the game is that on that operation where they save Fuka, in the game, obviously, you're Makoto. You go through the whole thing. You're there for everything. In this, Yukari gets really angry at him for not caring about anything, as she should. Yeah, and which also gives her a really good character arc. Because like, it's like the characters, the only person that in this section of the game has a character arc is Junpei. Like he's the, because he has the whole thing of like where he wants to be team leader and he's really frustrated that people keep on like kind of putting him down. And nobody else has much of a character arc that takes place over the game. So yeah. it's very good that they, they give Yukari one as well. Yeah, so she's mad and Makoto just decides to stay back at the dorm. Yeah. And um, in that conversation where she's, you know, yelling at him, you know, I don't, she basically says something to the effect of, I don't, you know, want you fighting for us if you don't care about your... No, she's saying, if you don't care about anything, your own safety is... You're yeah, going to yourself it's, killed. It's just like, if, if you're only fighting because someone told you to, yeah. it's like, you shouldn't be here. So the whole implication is that, obviously... Because it's like, all, like, literally 99% of his lines are just him just saying, I understand. Like, yeah. that's... Yeah, I'll do it. Basically. Yeah. Wakata. But anyway, and so, the, the whole implication of that scene is that, you know, she's telling him... Um, you're going to get yourself killed by not caring. And the great irony of this series is going to be yeah, his death is going to happen because he cares so much. Yeah. And I like that that's where we're headed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because my biggest question going into this series is that why Persona 3 hits you as hard as it does, at least in my reading of the game and my experience with it, is that you are the character and yeah. you create these relationships and you live this life over a year and it simulates death for you and it's about feeling kind of and coming to terms with what death is, but you can't do that in a movie. That's not yeah. something that a movie can tackle. And so I think they're choosing how they've kind of positioned themselves to do that kind of arc over these next movies is really smart and interesting. And it's something I honestly thought I wouldn't be able to, they, they'd be able to pull off. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting to me. Yeah. But I want to talk about the other characters. So you okay. noted, you know, Yukari has a nice arc in that yeah. way. And uh, Junpei kind of has a built-in arc. They've moved, they've elevated, escalated that a little bit. This does, His whole thing where he's really resentful, I'm playing the game right now. It actually yeah. happens a little after Fuka's mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. But it's, it makes sense to move it up here. Um, or at least the first part of it. So he's kind of got a pre-built arc. Some of the other characters are in this, they're more minor. Like, I don't feel we have much of a feeling for who Mitsuru is so far. Yeah, because their stuff doesn't really come up until the Kirijos corporation yeah. shit starts happening but overall this is something i was really impressed by in in these you know hundred minutes we have for this one movie yeah. i think virtually every character of import pops in this film yeah. you understand why they're fun you get invested in them i think even if you were coming into this absolutely cold there's a lot that would confuse you i think you would still understand why junpei is an interesting character why yukari yeah. is an interesting character where akihiko is coming from mm -hmm. you would be interested in those things and that's really super impressive to me yeah, yeah. Because I, this was my first time hearing any of the voice cast in Japanese. I've only played the game, which is dubbed into English. So I don't have any pre-built affection for these voices. So I felt like the movie kind of had to make me care about them. And yeah. it did. And that was really impressive to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've, I've heard most of them through, like, watching some YouTube videos just out of curiosity. And then I played, like, probably, like, half of Persona 4 Arena, where I, like, kind of switched between the language tracks a lot just out of curiosity. So I've heard, like, most of the main cast's okay. voices. But, yeah. Yeah. 
They um, are all very good. They're very good. I, I, I don't... It's funny. It's hard to say. Uh, you can't really compare them because I've yeah. spent so much time with the English voices. There are some English voices I do find inherently a little more interesting. Like, I think Yukari's voice in Japanese yeah. is fairly generic, whereas... Michelle in, Ruff, who does her voice in, in English, she's always very good. Well, and one of the things I love about Yukari in the English dub of the game is that she just sounds like and is written like no other character I've ever seen. Yeah. She's very unique. Yeah, she... she yeah, yeah, I agree. I like her voice more in English. And, but it's still... I mean, the uniqueness of the character still shines through here. Yeah. And, and a lot of the voice work is good. I mean, even with, you know, um, a small part, a very small number of lines, the actor who voices Makoto says something about that character. Yeah, yeah, he does a very good job. Yeah, and he also voices Pharaoh, so those yeah. scenes are fun. The Mysterious Boy. I like Pharaoh's voice in Japanese more. I'll go on. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely true. <laughs> so, yes... Um, and one of the characters I wanted to say that I thought they did a better job here than they did in the game is Fuka. Yeah, I definitely agree. They, they like the whole Fuka arc. While like I, I thought it, it was fun in the game, and I thought it was an interesting idea with like the person being trapped in the school when Tartarus happens. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it's not particularly well set up. So it's like they have a bunch of scenes. Should, like establishing Fuka and was Natsuki's relationship, and like that sort of like their weird friendship beforehand and also allowing using that opportunity to develop Makoto a little bit yeah so they set it up a lot better and sort of give you some insight into what kind of person Fuka is and it's like in the game she just kind of pops up and she's just this very helpful woman who's not particularly well voice acted who tells you people's weaknesses there are two enemies yeah exactly you can do this and I love Fuka as a character I really like her in the game um, but I thought, yeah, I mean, that whole arc, it, when you play the game, it's just one day you start hearing about the ghost story. Yeah. And you're like, what ghost story? It never fully gels in the game yeah. in, in a fully like coherent way. In this movie, they start seeding it right from the beginning. And I think one of the smartest choices is that they make Fuka kind of a mirror for Makoto, yeah. where she is very damaged, too. Like, they go more in-depth with the idea of bullying and what it does to a person. Yeah. And Fuka is broken similarly. She is... The way she looks at Natsuki is a very emotionally damaged way of looking at yeah. someone. It's like this Stockholm Syndrome kind mm-hmm. of thing, almost. And I think that makes an interesting arc. And so you've got a lot of, when you get to the climax, a lot of moments of identification between Makoto and her. Mm-hmm. And she is honestly, a, even though he doesn't know her, she's a focal point for him choosing to come into action again. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So a lot of stuff like that. They're just they're really smart moments. Yeah, it's interesting because it is like, a lot of it, you know, obviously they cut out like the social link stuff. But a lot of it, like, feels like a very, very direct, faithful adaptation of what happens in the game. Like, down to, like, you know, they fight the same fucking bosses. And, like, the, the, the bosses have the same, like, weird power where they switch weaknesses and stuff. Which, obviously, is a good opportunity to, like, highlight what Fuka's ability is. But I still thought it was, like, wow, like, they're getting, like, really specific. Yeah. But then, but the changes that they do make are really critically important. And, like, really sort of, like, s- snap everything together. Well, and I wanted to talk about it as an adaptation because here's probably what my biggest worry was. Mm-hmm. And this is something I, I've talked about with adaptation before that I know a lot of just people disagree with. But I kind of have no place in my life or interest for really strict adaptations of things. Mm-hmm. They just bore me to tears. I, if I'm going to watch an adaptation of some story into another medium, 
I want them to do something with it beyond just telling me the story I've already seen. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that. If they want to go see the Hunger Games, if they change anything at all, it's, you know, they're the people who made the movie are Hitler mm-hmm. or something. I just disagree with that. And one of the things that bores me more than anything is is sometimes when you see a video game or comics adaptation into animation and they just kind of go through the motions, especially when you're taking 12 hours of game, which is what this stretch of the movie is, yeah. and putting it into 98 minutes, this could so easily feel like just a series of basic recap scenes. Yeah, it's just like, it's just one scene to the next scene, and it's just like, these are the things that happened in the game, so we're just going to do them. Yeah, and this movie felt like that? Absolutely not. It just doesn't. It feels like its own movie, its own thing. It's very close to the game, but there was no moment where I was watching the movie and feeling like, because I've seen this scene in other medium, I'm bored with it now. Mm -hmm. And that was really surprising for me. And I don't even know if I can put my finger on what this movie does well to to correct that problem but i think it's just it's got its own energy it's it's yeah. got its own momentum because so much of it is is the makoto have being his own character which makes it also like new because you yeah. don't know how they're going to handle that and since he is the focal point of the, this film like even scenes you've seen now are recontextualized because you're curious about like how is makoto like going to react to this scene like how are they going to use it to inform his character and, and I also think and you're completely right on that, and I agree. And I think there's also something to be said for the pace of this movie, which is that it's not just they're fast-forwarding through scenes as fast as they can get through them. Any scene they choose to dramatize here, they've let it breathe. Yeah, It doesn't just, they come in, they say the lines, they get out. Each scene kind of, it, it, it has the, the, the sort of structure to play out, go in full. Each scene tells you something about the characters that are in it. It feels like a very thoughtful adaptation on that level. Mm-hmm. Like, I think one movie that always has this... The, the problem I'm describing, if you want an example, is like uh, one movie that feels like this to me in parts is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That's the first Harry Potter movie they had to make out of one of those super long Harry Potter books. Yeah. And and of course, and that movie, they tried to cram in every scene from that book. And so it's just the whole movie plays like the book on Fast Forward. And it's kind of awkward in that way. And this movie is cramming in even more story, but it doesn't have that Fast Forward feel to me. Yeah. So that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. But the most impressive thing about this movie, by far to me, is the animation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's... fucking incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it starts up and your jaw just drops. I think I said at one point to you, this movie looks like it cost a lot of money. Yeah, it's definitely, it is, it is really, really well animated. And it's not just that, like, like it's well animated, but it's also the direction is really, really great. Like, yeah. it's like the, the way they choose to, like, I just have to use film vocabulary. It's just like the way they choose to shoot scenes, you know, and like frame scenes. Oh, yeah. Really, really, really dynamic and really interesting. Well, and then one of our favorite parts of the game is the animated cutscenes, right? Yeah. And they have this, the animated cutscenes in Persona 3 just have this great atmosphere to them, and they're totally different than anything else in the game. They choose such interesting angles. Yeah. They're just dripping atmosphere. And this movie, what I think they made a really smart choice. It plays like the movie version of those cutscenes. Yeah, it's in the same style with like weird angles and yeah. weird, like perspectives like there's the one camera angle that i think is both of our favorites where they're in the velvet room and it's just like right under igor's eyeball kind of looking up and elizabeth is in the background it's just like it's a really weird shot but it like gets across something about like the the strangeness of the scenario this like this very bizarre camera angle yes and 
I just the way they use color. There's every there's no just like solid colors in the movie. They're yeah. all blending together, and the dark hours. Yeah, especially scenes, when it turns into the dark hour, and the colors just sort of shift into that weird like sort of ghostly pallor that they have. It looks like the backgrounds and stuff in the dark hour look like a Studio Ghibli horror movie because yeah. it's it looks like the same kind of Ghibli watercolor style. Mm-hmm. But with, you know, blood and green and yeah, this bright like, yellow moon. and Sickly colors. Yes. Yeah. But every scene, it's just everything is just dripping either atmosphere or tone or something in the visuals. Uh, and yeah, the quality of the animation itself is top-notch, absolutely, every scene. But then, yeah, you're right. It's just the direction of things. I think the lighting of the movie is really interesting, mm-hmm. where they p- choose to put light sources in. And then I think more than anything else, the framing and the angles. There's a lot of low-angle shots. There's a lot of canted angles. There's a lot of times where it's very rare that you're just seeing the action head-on in a traditional you know, two-shot or something. Yeah. It's often you're, you're below, you're above, you're to the side in really evocative ways. And it kind of shows sort of psychologically how everything in the movie is kind of, it's not at rest. It's all fluid and kind of violent. And that's really interesting. And I think the the way they animate all the fight scenes, too, it's really creative. And and this is new for me because I haven't seen the Persona 4 animation, but... It's it's funny how much it pertains to some of the particulars of the turn-based style from the game without feeling awkward and turn-based. Yeah, that it feels like they didn't just say, like, fuck it, we're not going to try to make the fighting, like, r- relate to how it is in the game. They really do feel like it's like, this comes from... It feels like a dramatization of a turn-based battle in a weird way, you know? Yeah, like but... It, all the summoning of the personas and stuff. But it also looks like it could be its own thing in this movie universe. Yeah. Because that's one of the big questions when you're watching this is, is this its own thing in its own movie universe? And I think for the most part, yes, here. Mm-hmm. Because those fights, it makes sense that this is how they fight when you're not, you know, you don't have your battle wheel and stuff. Yeah. So, and then there's some great scenes. I mean, the entire climax is spectacular, but I think the entire, you know, montage where they're fighting in Tartarus. Yeah, the first scene where they're fighting in Tartarus, Tartarus and, and Makoto, like, kicks fucking ass, you know, like that scene. Yeah. It's just like, it's a good scene to display why he is really good at what he does, because it's like, he doesn't give a fuck, so he's just going to go like 110%, because why not? And so and it shows like, I don't know, yeah, just, they're very well done action yeah. scenes. So, you know, on that topic of how does this work as a movie, what are things that are in here that you feel like um, uh, the, like don't feel fully explained in a movie? Because one of those is, like, Tartarus. Like, what are they doing there every yeah, night? We don't... There's a lot of the mythology elements just feel like they're really sort of glossed over. And that's kind of, like, in the game, it feels a little bit like that, too. But it's, I think it's the fact that it's a game makes it a lot easier to accept. But a lot of, like, they, they move through the exposition so fast about, like, what is the Dark Hour, and, like, what are Shadows? Why are we doing this? That kind of stuff. Like, they do explain a lot of it, but it's, like, in one line, whereas they take, like, a whole scene to do it in the game. Right. Like, Evokers, they don't, they never really try to explain anything about the Evoker. They even, don't do that in the game, Yeah, either. in the game, they don't really do it either, but I feel like they do it a little bit. Like, there's, there's I'm not even sure if there's a line in the, in the movie that's, like... Yeah, no, you shoot, if you pull this, the trigger, it summons your persona. Like, they just, it just, they just kind of do it. Although I will say one thing thematically that I thought worked here is that, you know, and if you play the entire Persona 3, you get to the end, you reflect on the themes, you'll get what the evokers are about. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to get that for a while in Persona 3. I think in this movie, because of the themes of death with Makoto, I think you get earlier on what that symbolism is there for. Yeah, and it's the, especially the fact that they imbue his character with the fact that he doesn't really give a fuck. And it, it really it contrasts really well with Yukari in that scene where Yukari fails to summon her persona, and so then Makoto has to do it. That is like it is exactly his 
apathy and his like willingness to die because he doesn't really care allows him to summon his persona in a way that like Yukari's too afraid to be able to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. So I just I do wonder like and they don't even really specify this, but are they go in this movie, are they going into Tartarus every night? Is it just something they go to yeah. a couple times they're curious about? Mm-hmm. We don't really know. And I understand that's something you if you're gonna tell this story, you kind of have to cut that down. Yeah, there's they don't put in like really any social link stuff. Like there are like characters from the social links make like background cameos. And I think they're clever cameos. Like yeah. they use um the student council leader guy, mm-hmm. what's his yeah. name, Hidetoshi? Yeah. They use him in a really clever yeah, way. Yeah, to deliver like a little piece of exposition. Yeah. yeah. They use him well. But in a way that also, if you know the game, it's, he's it's, the one who yeah, it's saying. a nice, it's a nice yeah. reference that like, a nice reference that you get. And like, you know, they have the, the old couple in the bookstore and stuff. Yeah. So I'm curious if, because obviously, you know, with Persona 4, the animation, since it was a 24 episode series, they were able to, adapt most of the social links in some form like it's well, obviously it was not the exact way it's presented in the game but like those characters and their basic stories made it into most of the most of the series so i'm curious if in the movie one persona 3 doesn't need it as much as persona 4 so i don't think they need to try to like put any of those stories in but i'm curious to see if in the successive movies if they're going to try to work in one of those as like a subplot like obviously i think the easiest one to do would be the uh, dying man Social link, you could probably work that way, that in in some way as a subplot. Yeah, I think that would be really good. I mean, you could even just pick one of the movies to do that in, and it could be kind of this thematic touchstone you keep going back to over that movie, mm-hmm. and you get to the end and whatever. All the rest of these movies are going to have very dark endings, yeah. and that would help underline it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious to see how they approach the social link stuff because obviously, like, it's the I'm not criticizing them for not putting in the social link stuff into this movie. I think that was obviously the right choice. Like, it would have been crazy to try to stuff one of those in there. Yeah. So, but for the most part, back to the discussion we were having about the game elements, I think most of them are actually pretty impressively contextualized for the film. Like, I was talking about Tartarus, but I actually think for the most part, like, it made more sense than I thought it would for them to be going into Tartarus in this movie. But, like, the only one that I just... Why is the Velvet Room in this movie beyond that it was in the game? Right, yeah, yeah. I've, I was, I knew there was something that was like one weird thing I was going to say. That there's a weird thing about the movie I was going to bring up, and that was it. They are well done scenes. They're well acted. They have great style to them. But I mean, they what do they add? Yeah, they're they're like hopefully they build on it. Like I'm curious if they're going to make Elizabeth a character like she is in Fest. Like she kind of does some stuff. But yeah, like I. It is because the way they handled it in Persona 4, the animation, is that that stuff was almost completely out of like the prop, the episode proper. Like it was all like basically the cold opening of each episode would start with Margaret and Igor in the Velvet Room talking to the camera as if you were the the main character, and like that's how they would so they would set up stories that way and that kind of stuff. So like I don't know how you incorporate the Velvet Room and make it make sense, but it definitely doesn't. It has no real place other than that it's in the game. Like, you well, don't need it, to have it there. No, you don't need to. I think maybe what they're thinking is that in when they get to the end of this whole thing, uh, Igor plays some importance in the climax. Yeah, like, and, and, and like dramatizing those scenes in the Velvet Room. I think they make a weird choice by having Makoto not... Because the Persona 4, the animation, does the same thing where it you, you don't feel entirely clear if the main character... N- is aware of that of like being in the velvet room like if they even know it because they don't make any the main character makes no reference to it they never talk about it they don't reflect on it and you don't even see them because it's almost entirely a point of view shot other than this one they have the weird camera angle that we talked about 
So it's like, I think it would make a lot more sense if you showed Makoto in the Velvet Room and had him actually, like, have a conversation with Elizabeth or Igor, like, just a little bit of one. Because I can see at the end, it would be useful to have their characters there to be able to dramatize what Makoto's, like, his thought process with, like, sacrificing himself and everything. I agree, and I think they are obviously hampered by the fact that Igor's voice actor has passed away. Yeah, it, it, I'm... I'm almost positive it's the same voice, so... like It is. I read about this. They're just sourcing from the game. So they can't have Makoto interacting with a dead voice. I mean... But they could do it with Elizabeth. They could, and it's it's weird. And the thing is, as you you say, it's very clear in this movie that Makoto is going to the Velvet Room. You just don't... Yeah, but it's like the movie, like, never... Like, he never tips his hand about it. So it's like, you don't... Like, you could do a reading of the movie and say that, like... Like, if you didn't know anything about the game... I could see that you would be super fucking confused that because it's like it never fully contextualizes it. The only time is when he's passed out or whatever they say is like, you've been spending time in the velvet room. It's yeah. like, but even that you could like miss that line that's like, the, yeah. it doesn't feel like he is anchored in any way. It's like you're fully aware that he's a character that is existing in the velvet room and that he's aware once he's out of the velvet room that he had those experiences. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously for, for Persona 5, if they have a Velvet Room in there, they're going to have to get over it and recast Igor. Yeah. Um, and it may have been beneficial to do that here and build some actual scenes with mm-hmm. it. Or at least, with, as you say, with Elizabeth, because she's a really great character. Yeah, she's uh, really if you've played Fess, I, I love Elizabeth. And, and she would be interesting to explore here. Mm-hmm. But, and those are pretty minor scenes in the course of the Yeah, there's like two or three of them. Yeah. And so they do feel like they mostly just exist because they exist in the game and they couldn't figure out a way to rework them in any way. How do you feel about having the calendar progression? I'm fine with it. Like, it's it's something, again, because you made the comment, like, you kind of, like, gasped almost, like, a little bit when you're watching the movie and it happened for the first time. Yes. Whereas for me, well, that's how they do it in Persona 4, the animation, so it did surprise me. But Well, and I wanted yeah. to say, I was surprised because I just would never have expected that to go into a movie because it's just such a gamey thing, you know? Yeah. But So I did gasp when it happened. But then the more the movie went on, I actually felt like it was good to have there because... Because, because it, the story takes place over such a tremendous quantity of time yeah. that without it, I don't know how you would convey that, especially because it's like you need... The full moons are so important that it's like... Yeah. That also gives you like this weird bit of foreshadowing when like the calendar is scrolling past and then you see it lands on a full moon. Then you kind of... Yeah. like, oh, this is... And so you and I can make jokes about yeah. how, oh, you, we, we spent that whole week social linking, or yeah. it went over a Sunday, I was playing the MMORPG or something. Yeah. But I think if you were watching this hypothetically cold or something, what you would get out of that is just, again, progression of time. And I think it works. It's nice because whether you're you know playing the game or watching the movie or whatever, the story does depend so much on time and the flow of time that having that calendar and that rhythm to it does help the movie. Yeah. Uh, and by the end, it was not bothering me. And even the first time it didn't bother me, I was just like, that's a surprise for yeah. me. Yeah. So, yes. I, I want to talk a little bit about... There's a lot of great Easter eggs here just for fans mm-hmm. of the game. Yeah. And little things... And I, what, I, what impressed me is that none of the like cameos or Easter eggs or anything like that, I think take away from the movie it's not like the movie stops yeah it's like you don't if you didn't know like it's like if you didn't know about the game and you saw like like one of the ones is i forget the character's name but it's like the fat so kid social link yeah he's just in the background of one shot when the character's in the restaurant just eating food yeah if you didn't know anything about the game you just think it's a background character there's no like emphasis put on him but if you know the game it's a fun little like oh hey it's that dude yeah, and in one that might confuse you a little more if you were going in cold, but like this, the first persona that Makoto summons outside of Orpheus is Jack Frost. And yeah, which I, is the Atlas like logo and everything. Yeah, yeah, and I think you and I were both very excited by that. Yeah, 
Ho, 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 motherfucker. Yes, it was awesome. So there's just little things like that they did, and I think some of the moves that they have the characters do, it's fully contextualized within the film, but it's also just so satisfying as a fan of the game, and, and that's no nowhere more apparent than with the music in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Because they just, they know when to deploy game music for maximum awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like all the, so it's like, so you know, they have the deep breath, deep breath song in the train yes. section, which is when that song plays in the game. So it's and like, it's awesome. it does... Like, sort of, it just makes it feel very familiar in a yeah. great way when, like, those songs that you know really well, or, like, the test montage, yes. the test song, the mature song. But also, I think that music works surprisingly well in the movie. Yeah. It just feels that right, and they also, they don't let the music overwhelm things. So if a scene needs to stop the music and have it be silent, they yeah. stop the music. They let the music stop and then have the scene go on. They never let it overwhelm things. Mm-hmm. And that's impressive, because with, a, you know, a soundtrack this beloved and a game this beloved, you might want to have every scene in Iwatodai Dorm have Lotus yeah. Juice. But they don't do that. Mm-hmm. It happens once in the movie, and it's a, the perfect scene for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like they made just a lot of really thoughtful decisions where they honestly kind of restrained themselves from where they could have gone with things. Yeah, they, this could have been so much more fan servicey than it is. Mm-hmm. But the fan service that's there is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's very well executed. They, yeah. they, they don't they don't sacrifice any of like the quality of the movie to try to stuff in a moment. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect way to describe it. So, what else is there to talk about here? Um, I don't know. You had there was a line in this movie that you said was one of the best lines ever. I want to talk about that. Oh, right, right, yeah. Because there's the part, fuck this. So there's the part where they're investigating what happened to Fuka, and they go to the alleyway. This is a scene that is also in the game. This is that's where they like Shinji is like because Shinji is brought uh, like is seen earlier, but like this is where he kind of actually has any interaction with the cast and. There's so they're there asking questions and it's kind of like this like gang of punks and one of them like gets up in Makoto's faces like come on you, come on say something say something and he's got like this uh, nose piercing that goes and like attaches to his ear piercing with like a chain and then Makoto looks at him and that's impressive you tied your you, you chained your nose to your face so you wouldn't lose it it's so great it's a great it's a brilliant disc like yeah. I've never. It's really creative and it's really funny. And how perfect is it for Makoto at that moment? Yeah, and it's like, and I love the way the guy who does the voice delivers it because it's like it's still in this really sort of monotone, apathetic voice, but it's like it's clear that like there's a little bit there is like Makoto just kind of you know wants to poke the guy a little bit. He's enjoying it. Yeah, because you know that he's because since he so doesn't give a shit, he's not afraid to get in a fight with anyone. Right. I was kind of hoping that Makoto would just beat the fuck out of that guy. Because, like, yeah, at that point, he had been training in, like, Tartaros for, like, a month and a half. So the dude has, like, real hand-to-hand combat experience, like, life-or-death fights he's been in. He could probably beat the fuck out of that dude. Better to let Shinji come in and do it. Shinji has a great moment. And I, I think Shinji's another character where... Obviously, he will not become important until the next movie, but they still managed to put his scenes in here and not have him overwhelmed. Things. Yeah, they set him up and like they so they allowed to, de- to set him up and develop him a little bit for his appearance in the next movie. But his appearance here is still useful because he does deliver like an important piece of exposition and allow that scene for character development. So it's like it's one of the great things about the movies is like they know how to make use of everything within the context of the movie and like make like pull everything you need to out of every single scene you're adapting from the game and use that to inform your film while also being able to set up the future stuff. Like, all this stuff's so well done. Absolutely. And, and one of the nice choices they make is that when you get into the heavy stuff in the, for lack of a better term, the third act of the film, Fuka, 
once you're into that, they drop everything else. They're not worrying about any cameos or social links or Shinji yeah. or anything else. And you're just in the Fuka story, which is, as it's been changed here, the payoff to everything in the movie so far. Mm-hmm. So it really does feel like a contained unit where you know you get to the end of the movie and a lot of stuff is still up in the air, obviously. But yeah. in part because none of the big mysteries have come in yet to the game, mm-hmm. to the story, you feel like the movie ends and it's like, I got a good 90-minute contained experience and I'm interested in what comes next, but I'm not mad that I'm not seeing it now. Mm-hmm. Which is so often the problem. That's how I, what I felt about Desolation of Smaug is that it went for two hours and then cut off. Yeah. And, and it was like, well, you were building to a scene that we're not going to see for a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. fuck you guys. But no, this doesn't feel like that at all. Although you do get a nice hint of Igus at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So that was good. But yeah, it's 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 such a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. It's it's way better done than I thought it would be. Like, I'm so impressed. Even though, like, I, I like Persona 4, the animation. I think it's well done. But it's not, like, amazing. Like, I think this is a better adaptation of Persona 3, at least the section of Persona 3, than Persona 4, the animation, was of Persona 4. Yeah, I th- I, I, um, obviously I can't agree with that because yeah. I haven't seen Persona 4, the animation, but I think it's so impressive, and I really can't overstate how aesthetically amazing this is. This is just one of the most evocative-looking and interesting-looking animated movies I've ever seen. And it's, it's it can't be, you know, a huge-budget movie or anything, yeah. but they just... Every shot is so gorgeously done and so haunting and interesting and beautiful. And having it on Blu-ray is great. It really lets you see all of that. Yeah. Um, so I'm really impressed. And I can't wait to see how they do some of the stuff in the future. I mean, I was just, just looking at screenshots from the next film and seeing how they're choosing to visually depict some moments from the game that I hold in really high regard. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Like the, that's, and that's like the best thing coming out of this movie is, is it just makes you really excited to see how they're going to handle the other stuff because it's like you see they did it so well with what is the least interesting part of the whole game like they did such a good job with that like when they get like the really really great material that the game has yeah like how spectacular is that going to be so here's my question about the future Um, I'm assuming there's going to be four movies because we have four seasons in the game Mm -hmm. and that would make sense just because you could go through there's so much plot in this next section of the game it feels like you couldn't go any further than Shinji's death yeah, and the next one, I think you would probably want to go up to um, the big crucifixion scene where you learn uh, Ikutsuki is a bad guy, and you learn about the fall and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and and it feels like maybe you could do that and all the winter stuff in one movie. It would have to be a little longer, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a longer movie. Um, but it feels like four would be the sweet spot for this, in part because I can see in my head, especially now having seen this movie, what the arcs for each of those would be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um. So yeah, so the next movie will obviously be uh, a lot about Igus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's she'll be introduced there. Yeah, they'll have all the stuff on that island. It was one of my favorite parts of the whole game. Operation yeah. Bape Hunt. They You'll have Strega getting introduced. Yeah, you have that really good scene between uh, Yukari and the protagonist. Yeah, where they like which, fight for a little bit and then run out. Yeah, which is actually I wanted to show you. I think they have that shot in here. I love how they're visually depicting that. They have this little shot of it where you can see that there. It's it's in front of this like blood ocean. Oh, nice. Yeah, that looks so cool. Yeah. Yeah, Koromaru. Yeah. He's going to be in the next one, too. So yep. He has a little bit of a cameo, but yeah. not much. Well, that's what I want to say. Uh, I forgot to mention before. This movie's opening, the theme, it does the full Burn My Dread theme song. Yeah. And what it does is it just flips around to every character, and you see what they're doing before the opening of the game, mm-hmm. of, of the story. That's a yeah. really nice thing for fans, I think. Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, because it reminds you that Ken is in there, because he's always kind of a character I forget about a little bit, because I feel like... I think he's the weakest character. Yeah, he just, like, by the time you get to the end of the game, like, his story, like, 
Ken's character arc just like is so small in the context of the rest of the game that's like it just gets spent it kind of he just feels useless yeah I, I don't like Ken. Yeah. Ken so. is, Ken's arc is basically the arc of hope from Final Fantasy thirteen. Sure, yeah. And that, you know, I don't have any interest in that. <laughs> but anyway, yes, uh, it, it's a good preview of things to come. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the next movie will also... I mean, this is the thing. I, I'm playing through what will be movie two right now in the game. And I think where Persona 3 really kicks into high gear for me is you have this simmering set of emotions for the first, like, 15 hours of the game. Which is, you know, Yukari is really jealous of Mitsuru, and Junpei is really jealous of the protagonist, and everyone kind of has these tensions, and they all boil over in this one scene. And then the next day, I, I think it's June 7th or something, June 12th actually, um, where all the characters, you just go character to character on the day after that and see mm-hmm. what their reactions are. Yeah, yeah. And that's to me where Persona 3 becomes Persona 3 because the emotional tapestry widens so much. And I think that's where these movies are really going to be able to play is because that's an arc movie two can be about. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and when you get into, th- you know, movies three and four and, and the stuff at the end where it's just the, the, the pressure that comes on these characters and the, the amount of, that death weighs on all of them. That I think it's just seeing what they did with, you know, just something as simple as the bullying arc in this movie. Yeah. They're, they're going to be able to do that really impressively. And I think that's where it leads to my last question here is just, we kind of joked about this earlier I wonder if you could show this movie to someone who has no experience with it, and I think they would get something out of it. They would. They would get, get something out of it. Like there would be, they would be confused, and they wouldn't like. They, I mean, this is true of anything. They wouldn't get as much out of it as a fan would. But it's like, but the movie is well constructed enough that it explains enough of what it needs to, and the, the dialogue is great. The performances are great. It's visually, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you're not going to spend eighty bucks on this set if you haven't played the game. That's yeah, just. Yeah. Yeah. No one is going to be doing that. But yeah, I don't know how some like the only way some non fan would like see the movie is if someone else shows it to them. Like right. I don't know how you would stumble into accidentally purchasing some eighty dollar like collector's edition import DVD from Japan. Right. On accident. But you know, it's not as insular as I thought it could be. Yeah. It definitely feels like its own movie, and I think when we have the full four film cycle uh, and we can put it together, I wonder if you could sit someone down and have them watch that and if Probably, they would get yeah. an emotional impact out of that. Yeah. I think it's totally possible, and I would not have guessed that coming into this, and that's one of the most impressive things about it to me. Yeah. You would still have to sit them down before the movie and say, look, the Velvet Room, it's where you fuse personas. Yeah. But it's like, but you know, maybe in the next movies they, they do something with that to make it make a little bit more sense. It's like, definitely this movie, it's very strange, but yeah. I, hope they, they, I hope they have a plan for it, and it's not just there because it's there in the game. Yeah. And they're pumping these movies out pretty fast. The next yeah. movie is about to come out. comes out on June 7th. I assume they'll have another one ready by this fall. Probably, yeah. Um, so we'll have these all out pretty quick. We'll we'll probably see number two by the end of the year, which mm-hmm. is good. But I'm definitely, I'm very excited for the next couple movies because yeah. of this one. Yeah. Anything else to say about this? It's an awesome, awesome movie. Like, so if, like, if Persona 3 fans listening to this, like, I think it's it's a worthy purchase. Like, it's definitely, you know, they did a really good job. So, And you get a soundtrack of new Shoji Meguro music. Exactly. What are you waiting for? Come on. I mean, it is 80 bucks. Okay, well, that, yeah. And by the time we get all three or four movies, that'll be a lot of money. Oh, well. Which is funny, because I only have ever paid $10 for Persona 3 the game, because that's what it is on (laughs) PSN. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let's see. And then maybe, you know how they're doing the Persona 4 Golden version? Yeah. Maybe they're going to go back and do Persona 3 Portable, the movie series, where it's the girl protagonist. That would be... They could totally fucking do that if they wanted to, but... Just reanimate every scene. Yeah. Pink. 